This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. All right, go ahead and take your seats. God bless you. Open your Bibles and uh, tell your neighbor. The title of the message this morning is Preparing for Action. Preparing for Action. Tell your other neighbor, preparing for action. Hallelujah. How many of you know that preparation is one of the most important things you ever do in life? Preparation is one of the most important aspects of a person's life. One of my mentors told me this. He said, you cannot be spontaneous unless you've prepared. You know, it's always a shock to me how many people are trying to be spontaneous. They think that, you, you know, you think you could just walk up here and just say whatever you want to. Even the very, very best MCs, the very best entertainers have prepared. How many of you have ever watched a comedian? Do you like comedians? Have you ever heard a really good comedian? How many times do you think they've told that joke? They didn't just hear it on Thursday and now they're telling it on Friday. Let me tell you something. I'll bet they have told that joke a thousand times before you hear it. And it's not about the joke. It's about timing. It's about the little look they give. It's the, it's, and, and, and then you try to get up and do the same thing. Hmm. You know, it's like the guys in prison. You know, you heard about the guys in prison. You know, they, uh, this new prisoner comes into the prison and he's kind of, you know, and, 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 and so he meets with this guy and he says, well, I'll, I'll show you around. And so he, they go down to the canteen and they're having lunch. And he says, now after lunch, everybody tells jokes. He says, you know, we've got some great jokes in this place. So they sit down and they're going to listen to the jokes. And uh, after the lunch, and all of a sudden it gets quiet. And it's like everybody knows what's happening. And one guy jumps up at his table and he says, 37! <laughs> and everybody just falls out of their, I mean, guys are falling out of their chairs laughing. This guy's kind of looking like, I didn't get that. You know. Pretty soon another guy gets up and says, 11! And oh, I mean, they, it's, it, guys are belly aching. It's, oh my gosh. And the guy says, what, what, what's going on here? While he's talking, another guy gets up and says, 27! And they're all laughing. I mean, the place is in hilarity. So the guy says, no, 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 no. He says, we've heard all these jokes. We've been here for years. We know all the jokes. So instead of listening to the whole joke, we just, you know, we just say the number and we, and we remember the joke. <laughs> so the guy says, oh, oh I, I, I guess I get that, you know. Anyway, he says, don't worry. You'll hear them all sooner or later. Somebody tells the real joke and, you'll, and then you'll know the number. So then this guy gets up and he goes, 87, and nothing happens. And he says, well, what, what, what happened there? He says, oh, that guy could never tell a good joke. <laughs> See, preparation. Prepare. You don't just tell good jokes. And my wife, she has two jokes. <laughs> and she could never tell them right, <laughs> ever. <laughs> In fact, it's more fun to watch her try to tell the joke. Okay, Bonnie, tell us your two jokes. Nine times out of ten, she gives the punchline, and then it's like. It is hilarious. We have, we have more fun with my wife and her joke, her jokes. 
Both of them. <laughs> Ask her to tell you her two jokes. <laughs> if she can remember them. But see, if you're prepared, if you prepare yourself, only then can you be spontaneous. But lack of preparation often means that you will miss your, or fail in your opportunities. And I watch many people, and because they're not prepared, they fail. Because they're not prepared, they miss their opportunity. You know, we had a young lady in the church here, and they had a tender that they had to get in. But you know what? I watched how she prepared the tender. She prepared that tender. She was prepared for the tender. And it was an amazing document. By the time it was done, it was this thick. And it was in a folder and in a file and in a file box. And it was, and it, and, and it was ready to, and it was sealed. And it was done with color and excellence. And, I mean, it cost a lot of money to get the tender and prepare the tender. But in preparation, in giving the preparation, they won the tender. But they were going up against people that had three-page documents. They're going up with people that, you know, had no color pictures, had, 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 had no supporting documentation, and just were chancing their arm. The person who is unprepared is always at the mercy of the person who is prepared. And we have to make preparation. The Bible speaks of different kinds of preparations. In fact, even in nature, we can see that the Bible teaches that the animals prepare for winter. It says, go observe the ant who works throughout the summer with nobody leading it but knows how to prepare for the winter. It collects its food and gathers for the winter. So animals prepare for winter by storing food for their time of hibernation in summertime. How many of you know the in nature, even a field, as farmers, many of you are agricultural, but a field needs to be prepared before you can plant it. How many of you know that it's going to be very, very hard to get a tomato crop taking your seed and throwing it onto a piece of concrete or a hard piece of ground? No, there's a preparation that has to take place. First of all, prepare the soil. Break up the fallow ground fertilize, put moisture in the ground, plant the seed. Once you've planted the seed, cover the seed. Water the seed, nurture the seed, keep the weeds out. And then the Bible says, then you'll see first the blade, then the ear, then the full kernel in the ear, then harvest time. But without the preparation, you're not gonna get a harvest. In fact, we've learned to use the farming God's ways principles and get better yields. If you prepare your ground properly, if you do it well, if you do it excellently, if you plant on time, according to the, the, the pattern and the principle, set it up according to the way you're told, guess what you're gonna get a much better yield. In fact, it's from the difference between three uh, tons a hectare to six to seven to eight to 10 tons a hectare. But you have some people that they will not prepare, they will not do that, and they'll just settle for three tons a hectare.
We even see nature itself, the way God created nature, preparing. You see boulders and rocks, and they get rolled down a hill into a riverbed. And the riverbed rolls them down the riverbed, and sometimes it takes decades. But the rough edges are rubbed off those things. And if you've ever been in a riverbed where there's been a lot of water, sometimes you can go in there and you can find these stones that are perfectly round or they're smoothed off and they're almost polished. You know, even God has something in mind when he's preparing even a stone. Do you remember David? David went to go up and fight against Goliath. And he realized he had four brothers. So David went down to the brook and he picked up five stones, five smooth, smooth stones that God had prepared for him to defeat his enemies. God's making preparation. You're making preparation. And so there is a responsibility. Part of preparation is God's responsibility, but it's partly ours as well. And today I want to talk to you what you and I can do to prepare ourselves for what God has for us in the action season in this season. And I think this is an important season. Some of you haven't prepared to come to action. Ah, you know, it's just Pastor Tom. Oh, you know, we're, we're the Borrowdale Church. You know, we're fat and lazy. We get fed so well all the time. Ah, you know, I'll get the, I'll watch it online. Guys, there's something about preparing to come and get something together. Second Peter, open your Bibles to Second Peter chapter one. Now guys, that's a really great slide. I think I do better when I do them. Guys, that's not big enough. Can you all see that? No. Guys, if we're gonna make a slide, let's make it bigger. All right. Bolder, bigger, so we can read it. Now, when you have great eyes like mine, I can read it. This is what it says. This is out of the Amplified Version. It says, for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. And I love that. His divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything we need that is necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, he has bestowed on us his precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value so that by them you may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of disreputable desire and become sharers of the divine nature. For this reason, apply your diligence to the divine promises, making every effort in exercising your faith develop moral excellence. Go to the next verse. Is that it? Is that as far as you went? Ah. And to moral excellence, knowledge. 
That's insight and understanding. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, steadfastness. And in your steadfastness, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly affection. And in our brotherly affection, develop Christian love. That is to learn unselfishly. that That is learn to unselfishly seek the best for others and to do things for their benefit. For as, now listen to this. For as these qualities are yours and are increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity, they will keep you from being useless. Tell your neighbor, I, want you, I don't want you to be useless. They will keep you from being useless and unproductive in regard to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I want you to know something. You know, when I read these verses, there's so much you and I have to do. Add to. We need to add to our faith virtue. And add to your virtue character. And add to your and, 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 and we get down to brotherly love and then the love of God. Guys, that's a lot of work for you. But you know what? You can't just add to it. By how, how do you add to it? How do we add? How do we become? How do, how do we become a, the kind of men and women that are not useless, that are productive? You know, I, I can't tell you how many people I speak to in church. And it's like there's a disconnect between what they do in church and what they do all week long. I, I, I say, wait, 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 wait. They come to me and say, well, pastor, you know, I'm really struggling. I said, okay, I understand you're struggling. What, what, what are you doing? Well, you know, I, I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to, you're afraid. Well, you're not going to succeed being afraid. Well, I'm not really afraid. I, 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 uh, I don't know what to do. Well, see, the fact of the matter is, if you can't make the connection spiritually with what you're doing naturally, you're not going to have God involved in what you're doing. And, and, and so I, I'm saying, wait, 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 let me help you. I want to coach you. I want to help you to get to the place that you can literally see God working in the place you work. You literally see your prayers get answered. You literally see ideas come to you that, that, that oh my gosh, that, that was God. That was God. I was helping one of my sons and he was going through some doubts and some fears People, young people especially do this. They go through doubts and fears. They, they, they have battles. He was battling some things and he was, the enemy had gotten into his mind and had convinced him of some things that were wrong. But you know, you can't tell your son that's wrong because you, you can never tell your son anything. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you don't tell them, you ask them questions and you lead them into the knowledge of God. And so I began to ask him some questions. I said, hey, well, can I do a Bible study with you? I said, it sounds to me like you have some fear. It sounds to me like you have some insecurity. It sounds to me like you feel a little defeated. It sounds to me like you're overwhelmed by the enemy. It sounds to me like this area has taken control of your mind and it's not what you want to be, but it's what you've become and God wants to help you. Could you mind if I help you with a Bible study? He said, yeah. I said, let's look at the story of Gideon. And that's how I feel some of you in the church are. You're like Gideon. God walks up to you. You get born again. He says, mighty man of valor. 
The angel of the Lord is calling you out. Mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor. And you're all going, me, me? Oh, no, 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 no. And you have your excuses. He, the Midianites, the, 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 the bond notes. The Zimrathites. Huh? The Petrolites. The no electric lights. Trying to figure out what to call the hydrolytes. We have no hydrolytes, no no water. The potolites. The civil servantites. The bad serviceites. We're living in that whole, oh, you don't understand. The Midianites, they come in, they're taking everything. It's, oh, I'm fearful. And what does God do? God takes this guy. He says, yeah, I see that. He says, here's what I want you to do. He says, I'm going to help you. He says, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to tear down your father's altar. In fact, the city's altar to Baal. (laughs) Gideon's afraid. So he, but the the angel of the Lord's in front of you. What do you say to the angel of the Lord? Tear down the altar. And you're afraid. So he comes up with the best thing he can come up with. He says, can I do it at night? (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'll do it at night. How many of you ever feel that way? And I got to make this story quick because I can't preach the whole thing. I just let you know. So he, he does it tonight. Guess what? The sun comes up the next morning. The, the altar's down. Who did this? How many of you are going to get caught anyway? God will make sure you get caught because God's growing you. He's going to have you face your fears. But some of you don't want to do this. You don't want to make the preparation to get to where you're going. So you, rather than stand up and do what God tells you to, you live in fear. But God's here to help you. But you have to get yourself in the place that you can hear the angel of the Lord. You can hear God speak to you. That's why we have the action conference. We bring in speakers that confirm what the angel of this house is saying. That's me. Amen. You don't believe that? Go read Revelations. The pastor of the church is the, is the angel of the house. You didn't know I was an angel, did you? See, all these guys, they want to be called prophets, apostles. I just want to be called angel. (laughs) Please, please. That's a joke for all of you listening. For all of you listening on on TV, on radio, wherever you're listening from. That's a joke. Some of you don't know me. I know you're turning off already. I understand. Okay. But here's here's the truth. God's going to help you. So he says, okay, here's the plan. So he says, call them in. So he calls all the men. 32,000 show up. Everybody likes a big congregation. Woo, 32,000. God says, well, you know, before I can show you my victory, I've got to weed out all the fearful. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, you can't be in this church and be fearful. I'm telling you, I'll weed you out. God will weed you out, but I'll help him. I'm going to cause you to rise up and become men and women of God. But guess what? 
Whether we're many or few, I'm not really interested. I'm interested in men and women that are going to make a difference. We're about transforming lives and reforming the nation. Reformation doesn't come by a bunch of weak, mealy-mouthed people, milk toast, afraid to say or do anything. This comes by people that take their place and are willing to tear down the Baal prophets and the, 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 the idols that we've exalted in our nation. I think my, just tap your neighbor and say, I think his preaching's better than your amening this morning. Anyway, he says, no, no, you got too many people. He says, here's what I want you to do. Tell anybody that's fearful to go home. 22,000 gone. They're all gone. Just whoop, 22,000. I mean, it's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, there's 185,000 Midianites. And, and, and I was getting a little bit of confidence with 32,000. I thought we might have a chance if God helped us. God says, no. Anybody fearful, tell them to go home. They're gone. We're left with 10,000. Oh, God. You know, this is, you know, this is bad odds. 18 to 1. 18 to 1. This is, this is really bad odds. Or is it 180 to 1? I don't know. It's a, but whatever it is, it's a bad odds. But with God with us, I guess maybe we might do something. He says, it's still too many. Still too many. How many know God's math isn't your math? How many know God's growing you? God's growing a Gideon. God's growing a Gideon. Son. Remember, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my son. So what does he do? He says, take the guys all down to the river. He says, those that fall on their face and lap like a dog, tell them to go home. But those who lift the water up and keep their eye open, keep their spear in their hand, those are the guys you want. The guys that are alert. The guys that are aware. The guys who are prepared. The people that have a preparation. The people that are able to see. Those are the ones that I want right there. Those are the ones I can bless. Those are the ones I can use. Anybody listening to me? Guys, I got to go fast. You're taking all my time on this story. This isn't even in my message. Anyway, long story short, here's how it happens. You know what happens. 300 men, he gives them a battle plan, and he's still scared to death. He says, all right. He says, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to sneak down tonight, listen to the enemy, get down by their camp and hear what they're talking about. He says, and if you're afraid, take Pura with you. Who's Pura? I'm Pura too. I'm not only the angel, I'm also Pura. It's an older man who's there to help you become who you're supposed to be. I'm really Pura to you. That's who I want to be. I want to be Pura to you. I want you to know, hey, I'll go with you. I'll go to the camp with you. Because you're afraid. That's okay. It's all right to be afraid, but let's go to the camp anyway. We go to the camp together, guess what happens? They hear the story. They hear the Midianites talking. The guy says, I had a dream last night. He said, I saw this, rope, this barley loaf roll down the hill into the camp and knocked our tent down. Now, guys, I'll tell you what. I know I'm not an interpreter of dreams because I could not have interpreted what this guy's about to say. He said, do you know what that was? Here's what my interpretation is. It was a roll of barley loaf that fell down and hit a tent. But this guy come up with a story that's unbelievable. He says, there's nothing less than Gideon, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. 
he's going to destroy us. Wait a minute. How did you come up with that? When I get to heaven, I got to ask the Lord. I got to ask the angel. Hey, what, what, what was happening there? I'm just pure. Long story short, the next day, they defeat the enemy. It's all done. But God now has a man who believes, a man who's been strengthened, a man who can stand with another man, a man who could lead 300 men into battle. God now has a judge in the land. And for 40 years, he holds that nation together in good judgment because somebody stood up, but he took time to prepare. God took time to prepare him, but that man took time to prepare himself as well. And that's what action's about. It's coming to get prepared. So let me give you six things. Can we go fast? Stop all that amening and I'll go faster. Six things I need to have you prepare. Six six things that that need preparation before action. Number one, our hearts. Our hearts. How many of you know the physical heart is the most important organ in the human body? Some say the brain. But I know a lot of people that don't have a brain, but they have a heart. (laughs) They're still alive, okay? You can still live without a brain, but you can't live without a heart. (laughs) Without the heart, the various functions and the various organs and processes of the body would cease. Life would end. The physical heart mirrors a person's spiritual heart. The physical heart and the spiritual heart are at the center of the body. They're right here in the upper chest area. Or, as as the physical heart is to the body in the center, so are a person's thoughts, words, actions, and ministry should be motivating everything in their life. As this pumps blood to everything, your thoughts, your words, your actions... And your ministry should be pumping life in the rest of you. The heart is about the size of the clenched fist of of its owner. Take your hand and clench it like this. Put it right next to your heart. That's about the size of your heart. Now go like this. Amen. For some of you, maybe you should just check and see if there's a pulse in that person next to you, okay? All right. Our spiritual heart is only as big as the work of our hands shows it to be. See, I'll tell you what, I know how big your heart is by what you do for others. I know how big your heart is by how you labor for the kingdom of God. As the physical heart pumps blood from one end of the body to the other, if it's functioning properly, so the spiritual heart circulates the life of the Holy Spirit throughout the whole body of Christ if it's functioning properly. The physical heart beats automatically without the conscious effort of its owner. How many of you know you're not saying beat, 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 beat? No, you don't even know it's beating, right? Guess what? A healthy spiritual heart shows the love, the joy, the peace of God naturally. It's spontaneous and without conscious effort. It's not some insincere put on. See, if you're acting to be a Christian, you're not one. If Christ lives in you, it's as natural. You want to love. You want to serve. You want to be in church. You want to be with the the body of Christ. 
The physical heart is prone to disease. Of any physical heart that has a high fat diet and an overweight body is headed, for, is, is, is headed for disease. Spiritually, the same thing happens. If you take the rich truths of God's word without practicing them, without exercising them, it's gonna make you sick. The use of alcoholic beverages spiritually makes you sick. But let me tell you something, dabbling in the wine of the pleasures and the cares of this world will make your heart sick. Little or no physical exercise will make your heart sick. Well, the less we perform God's word and express God's word and love, the sicker your heart gets spiritually. A heart under tension or a heart under stress, spiritually, you can get the high adrenaline, the high stress lifestyles and not learn how to cast all your cares on the Lord and let him help you and you're gonna be sick physically. A disease, you can get, your heart can be diseased through something inherited from your parents at birth. Let me tell you something, spiritually you're more prone to heart issues if you've not repented from the time of your new birth. Repent. Listen to what the Bible says about the heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You gotta prepare your heart and you gotta keep it. How do you keep your heart? How does a young man keep his way pure? By hiding the word of God in his heart. Thy word, O God, is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. The word of God is powerful. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Guys, somebody needs peace. Somebody needs their heart and their mind to be at peace. Come and sit under the word of God. Let God speak to you through Christ Jesus, amen? Matthew 12 says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hey, how have you been listening to yourself lately? Have you been listening to yourself lately? Garbage in? Garbage in? Garbage in? Tell your neighbor, garbage in, garbage out. But listen to what the Bible says. Out of the fullness, out of the overflow, out of the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The good man from his inner treasure flings forth good things. The evil man out of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. What's flinging forth out of your mouth? What's flinging forth out of your heart? Good or evil? You have to prepare your heart if you're gonna have good things in it. You have to prepare the soil of your heart. Get the word in there. Listen to Mark 7. It says, and when they had called all the people unto him, he said unto me, listen to me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that enters into him that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If any man has ear to hear, let him hear. And when his... When he had entered into the house away from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. He said to them, are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without that enters into the man cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that's what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, 
proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceitful, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile the man. So guys, what are you preparing your heart with? Adulteries, fornications, lies? Or are we preparing our heart with the word of God which is able to wash us and cleanse us and purify us and give us hope and a future and give us faith and lead us into triumph and victory? That's what I want for you. Okay, quickly, number two. Tied very closely to the heart are emotions. Often this is the place where the greatest heavenly examination takes place in our lives. Because the emotions is where the motivations of our lives are housed. It's in your emotions that you get motivated. It's often here that God deals with the inner and outer forces that influence our decision-making processes. You see, God is arranging situations to reveal the true inner intentions, thoughts, values, and priorities that you carry. How many of you think, what can I get from God rather than what can I give to him and his people? You see, when we make ourselves available to God, he'll replace unrighteous motivations and replace them with motives of his love and his spirit. Where does he do that? There has to be a place for the exchange to take place. I know this. One Sunday a week is not doing it for you. But you take five days aside. So I'm going to sit under the word. I'm going to talk to my friends. I'm going to build relationships. I'm going to let God speak to me. I'm going to prepare myself to hear the voice of God. I'm going to prepare myself to serve God. I'm going to prepare. I'm, I'll tell you, something will happen. Third area, our wills. And I want you to get this today because I don't want you to get the wrong impression here. I talked about this earlier. Choose our wills. See, God gave you a will. He said, choose. Life is made up of choices. Listen to what it says in Joshua. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, the ones that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Choose whom you will serve. Whether your gods and the gods of your ancestors or the, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but it's for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. See, another verse says this. I put before you, God says this, I put before you blessing and cursing. Life and death. He says, choose blessing, choose life, make choices, but choose the better life. God put before Adam and Eve the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. He said, choose life, but they chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man has a propensity towards evil. We have a propensity to do what's lazy, convenient, easy, sinful. That's our propensity. Ah, uh, it's too much hard work to go and eat out of the tree of life. Yeah, it is. You can choose it if you want. You can choose life if you choose to. But serving God is done 
when we choose to do so. And I want you to know, in this church, I teach very, very carefully not to do something out of compulsion, not to be manipulated into it. I think we've manipulated a couple times with offerings, and I hate it. Whenever I see somebody manipulate an offering, I'm saying, mm, I don't like that. Why? Because you know what? I want to come back and ask again from you. But I want you to do it out of a free will offering. Your choice. Your volition. I see it. A want is always more powerful than a have to. A want to is more powerful than a have to. When you tell your children, you have to do this, they're going to rebel. But when you can talk them through and have them want to do it, they're going to be much happier. But it takes effort. It takes time to bring people to a, I understand, I know why you want me to do it. You can't just tell, you can't tell a teenager, you do this. Why? That's the question they're going to ask you. Why? Because I told you so. And as long as you eat at my table, as long as you live in my house, you'll, well, you're creating a rebellious son, a rebellious daughter. But if you can say, son, listen, I just want you to have the very best, and you lead them into, oh, I want to be that person. And the same in church. You don't have to do anything. You've got to ask the people on my staff. People come and say, you have to do this. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to. I don't have to be here this morning. Do you know what? I don't have to be here. I'm the senior pastor. I don't have to be here. I want to be here. I want to do what God wants me to do. I love doing this. I love leading this church. I love leading you. I love being a part of you. I love the family of God. I love working with our team. I wouldn't do anything else in my life. Can you see the motivation in that? Much more powerful. Number four, your mind. Your mind. You've got you to prepare your mind. Remember Nehemiah, he built the whole city. But here's what he said. So we built the wall and the wall was joined together to halfway because the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. Let me tell you, when you have a mind to do something and you engage and you prepare yourself and you do it, guess what? God loves it. We have to engage our minds if we're going to accomplish the purpose of God for our lives. But we have to know what God's will is. How do you find God's will? You don't find God's will watching the TV. You don't find God's will working to, like a slave. You find God's will by unplugging, stopping, and hearing what God has to say. Listening, preparing your heart, preparing to hear. We have to renew our minds also to the mind of Christ. You can't hear God's will if your mind is thinking evil thoughts. If your mind is thinking worldly thoughts, you've got to replace those thoughts with the renewed mind, God's thoughts, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We do it by intentionally placing ourselves in a place that we hear what the mind of the Lord is. I don't know a better time, a better place than our annual action conference. Setting time aside intentionally to allow room for God to speak to me so that I can apply my mind to what he's saying. Physically, <laughs> this is great. Physically, just tap your body, tap the body of your neighbor. Ask your neighbor, are you here? Yeah, you have to be present to win. Ah. How many years have you seen, you know, the guy with the winning ticket didn't make it to the OK Grand Lottery, and so number 47732677. Seven, seven, seven. 
All right, number four, seven, six, all right. You have to be present to get the prize. It's the same here. You got to be present to win. If, God's get, if God shows up at the meeting, I can't tell you, oh, I heard it was a great meeting. Uh, 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 where were you? Where were you? Oh, man. Uh, uh, that's some lame excuse. And I think, oh, my God. You, 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 that was more important than being here where God himself showed up at a meeting? Oh, well, all right. If you say so. And then last but not least, I want to talk to you about this. I started with the offering. I'm going to finish with it financially. And I know that it's 15 seconds until I'm supposed to be over. So you're going to go five minutes over this, after, this morning. So you can put your signs down. <laughs> you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Uh, praise the Lord. One of my greatest scriptures, and I taught this in my book, First Fruits. This is a pattern. It's a pattern. If you ever can get this principle, it'll change your life. But in Exodus 23, he says this, verse 14. Three times you shall keep the feast unto me in a year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days, as I commanded you, in the time appointed of the month of Abib. For in it you comest out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. God says, don't come before me empty-handed. So this month of Abib, this is what we just practiced here just recently. It's the Passover a very powerful feast, feast of the Lord. He says, present yourself to me. Well, our church, we present ourselves three times a year. We have prayer conference, we have action, and we have synod. We do that for a reason, because God says, present. I would love to have had them on the days, but those days change. For people's calendars, it's better to say, hey, every year at this time. But, but we're doing what God says. Three times a year, we present ourselves. And God sees our heart. He says, present, the second time, he says, and present at the Feast of Harvest, he says, bring there the first fruits. So when you come at Passover, you bring an offering. When you come at the Feast of Harvest, you bring your first fruits, the first fruits, the first of everything you've gained that year, which you've sown in the field and at the Feast of Ingathering. And then you come at the third time at the Feast of Ingathering, which is at the end of the year, where you have gathered your labors out of the field. That means when you bring your tithe. Now you bring your tithe. Here was an agricultural society. You didn't tithe every time you came to church. You didn't get a, you tithe when you got your increase. We tithe when we get our increase. I get my paycheck once a month. I tithe once a month. I give my offerings every Sunday. And I give my first fruit whenever I have a first. The first of the year. The first increase. The first of my, uh, whatever I think it is. My first new product. My first, whatever it is. Whatever my faith is. There's no measure on it. The only thing that's measured is your tithe. But he says three times a year, all the males shall appear before the Lord. Well, we all appear. Then look at verse 20. Here's what I want you to understand. When you appear before God, when you're giving, when you, that's why I want your activity with your, your, your tithes, your offerings, your pledges. I want you to be involved with your money. Why? 
Because God has something for you. Listen to what it says. Behold, if you'll do this, I'll send an angel before you. How many of you know you have angels? How many of you don't know you have an angel? Besides me. How many of you know that God has assigned angels to every one of you? Some of you need more than one, I know. But I know everybody has at least one. And I think you probably have more than one because the Bible says the angels of the Lord are encamped around about you. So I'll take as many as I can get, Lord. I'd probably need a lot more than most of these people. But the fact of the matter is we have angels. He says, I'll send an angel before you to keep you in your way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared for you. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you will indeed obey him and obey his voice and do all I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Guys, I want you to go home and read this whole chapter. I don't have time because my time is up. But I'm going to tell you what God will do for the person who trusts him. He says, I'll make the boundary lines fall for you in good places. I'll take sickness from the midst of you. He says, I'll have angels working on your behalf. I want you to have that. I want you to be involved with God. I want you to hear the voice of God. I want your money to be speaking for you. I want, while you're sleeping, your money's working. When you sow into the kingdom of God, he says, seek first the kingdom. Everything else will be added to you. I want that for you. So that's why we had the pledge drive. That's just to, so we can pay for action. But every year, and by the way, I hope you didn't just give money. Good night. We're believing for some stuff. We're believing for concealment. What does that mean? I want to be hidden. I don't want to be seen. I want to step into my next season with God. I tell you, you don't need to get out there and, and be seen so that they can come and tax you and find you and, and, and punish you. Anybody that gets successful, they want to punish. So you don't want to be seen. You want to be concealed, but you want to move into your next season anyway. You want fulfillment. We're believing for fulfillment. That's a divine turnaround. God fulfilled the dreams that you've given me. I want a rapid repositioning. I want acceleration of my, my prayers to be answered. I want fruitfulness. Number three, I want the birthing of my dreams, my visions. I want supernatural works to be done by my hands. I want to be sure that I'm in the flow of what you're doing. I want the multiplication factor. See, this year is the year of either a bread basket or a serpent. And it depends on your positioning. If you're seated in heavenly places, you're going to see the serpent. If you're squandering around on the earth like a chicken with your head down, that serpent's going to eat you. But if you're up here like an eagle, God says, I'm going to give you a basket. I'm going to fill you. And I want you to be filled. He wants abundant blessings. God wants you to see your enemy before he takes advantage of you. I'm tired of all these snakes in the grass. But as we prepare for action, I want you to begin right now. Not only to prepare to come here, not only to have your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your presence, and your finances with us. But I want you to prepare something with your finances. Think about your finances. Think about what you're doing. Don't just scatter it. Plant it. Plant it. Think about it. This year I'm believing for two big offerings. One, a capital expenditure offering so that we can accomplish the needed, the much needed repairs of this building, the much needed expansion in some of our 
church uh, outreaches that need sound systems and things like that. There's a, there's a number of capital expenditure items that we need to make this movement keep moving. Thursday night, you, you don't want to miss Thursday night, our Celebrate Impact offering. Each year we receive something for Celebrate Impact, which consists of our Compassion Ministries, our Champions, and our Celebration Health Outreaches. What we have done this year is nothing short of a miracle. When you see what we have done and what we plan to do, it, it, it will bless you. This, you're a great church. Let me tell you something. You are a great church. And I want to commend you for that. And then finally, Friday night, I want you to be here. We're going to talk about celebrating destiny and leaving a legacy. Saturday is a great worship event. Oh, we are going to have a wonderful worship event. I think it will be the best we've ever had. And then Sunday, next Sunday, bring your tithes. Bring your offerings. Let's have a Thanksgiving offering, a Thanksgiving tithe. Let's fulfill everything by next Sunday in thanksgiving for the great action that we're going to have and thanking him for our future. He's given us a hope and a future. And then last but not least, listen to this. We've changed action this year. The daytime, every day, we have five major sessions. Five major sessions. Great speakers right here in the auditorium. The last session of the day, we break into workshops. Unbelievable workshops. When you see what we're presenting to you, I don't know how you're going to do this, but my wife's going to go to one and I'm going to go to the other because I want to get the whole thing and then we're going to teach each other. If I had a kid, I'd put him in the other one. That's how dynamic these are. Saturday are three workshops, four workshops. Every, on Saturday, we have four workshops. You can't get it all. But each one is just as unique as the next. There's something for every one of you. We have a speaker who's going to talk about dealing with depression. Have somebody else going to, we have, we have a guy named Ben Farrell coming. He's going to talk about waging war in the field of the media. Guys, let me tell you something. And this guy, this guy's done it. He, when you see what he's done, it's amazing. We're blessed to have him. Anyway, you'll get to see all that. Here's what I want. I want you to really, this year, don't take for granted what you have in this church. Don't take for granted the fact that you're well taught. You're well taught. You are well taught. My sons and my daughters come back to me. They go to university, they come back. They said, Dad, we are so grateful for the teaching we have. Oh my gosh, we go to some of these churches overseas. Dad, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Christianity light. Guys, we want the meat of the word. We want to be strong. I believe we're, I, I don't know how to tell you this. I've been saying it, but I believe we're on the cusp of the greatest move of God, the greatest revival. And I want to be prepared for it. And I want you to be prepared. Will you make the preparation so you don't miss the visitation? So you don't miss your opportunity. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.